parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. You are listening to the fifth episode in my holiday survival series for parents. This series is designed to support you during this busy and potentially stressful holiday season. So hopefully this series has felt helpful so far. And if you haven't downloaded it yet, go download my free holiday survival guide for parents. This guide has everything you need from dealing with holiday meltdowns to building in self-care to where to let go a little so that you can actually enjoy the holidays as a parent. Because as we know, We all spend a lot of time running around making magic happen, and it can be so tough to actually find time for yourself and to enjoy and be present. But this year, you can do the holidays on your terms, and this guide will help you do that. So grab your copy today, totally free, raisedresilient.com forward slash holiday. So today's episode is the first half of a two-part episode on navigating holiday gatherings. Holiday gatherings have the potential to be so much fun, to really be the best part of our holidays, spending time with people we care about and enjoying each other. But holiday gatherings could also be the most stressful part of your holiday, especially if you're navigating relationships with people who maybe don't parent in the way that you do. So this might be your own parents, this might be other relatives, extended family members, friends, neighbors, anyone you come in contact with who maybe doesn't ascribe to gentle, respectful, conscious parenting, who might even think that you're a little out there for parenting the way that you do. These people in your life might be outright critical, or they might just be really skeptical, and they might say or do things with your child that you wouldn't do or that you're working really hard not to. So the question that comes up is usually around how do we set boundaries with people who don't parent like we do? How do we handle criticism? How do we handle it when someone interacts with our child in a way that we wouldn't? How do we deal with that in the moment? How do we support our child? Do we say something to the other person? If this is something that you have wondered about or worried about, I've got you covered. In today's episode, we are going to cover all of that and then some. And then next week, definitely stay tuned. We are talking about holiday gatherings from the perspective of supporting our kids, of setting them up for success, of managing holiday meltdowns, and working with our kids' schedules when we go to gatherings instead of against them. So after you listen to this two-part episode on holiday gatherings, my hope is that you're going to feel really prepared to handle whatever might come your way this holiday. Okay, so now let's dive into this week's episode. And I want to start by thinking about why it feels so stressful, so challenging, maybe even threatening to our conviction about how we're parenting, to be in the presence of people who don't get it, who don't agree, who don't support us or are skeptical of how we're parenting. Why does that feel so challenging? I think these situations are hard for a lot of reasons. First of all, if you are parenting, 
differently than how you were raised. If you are making it a point to not use punishments, to not use timeouts, to not use spankings, to not raise your voice, to respect your child as an autonomous individual, and that's not how you were parented, then congratulations. You, my friend, are a cycle breaker. And being a cycle breaker is hard work. Suddenly, you break away from the way things have been done, maybe for generations. And that can feel isolating. And that can feel really lonely when you show back up in your family of origin and you're like, hey, what's up, guys? Oh, that's not how I do things anymore. Now, that's not the attitude that you're taking. You are not coming in here and flaunting how you're doing things differently and your parents didn't do a good job. I know nobody listening is walking into these gatherings doing that. But I think that discomfort and the disconnect is there. We feel it. Maybe our parents feel it. So that's one thing. Another reason this can feel so challenging, though, is because we are literally wired to care what our parents think. We were raised in a way that made us feel like we were only good when we did things that our parents thought were right and okay. And then we were bad, by contrast, when we didn't. We were literally disciplined in such a way that made us believe that. And that feeling and that way of thinking, that wiring, that dies hard. So even if you've been in therapy trying to differentiate yourself and to feel good as you are, no matter what choices you're making, you might still fall back into this way of thinking where you feel like you need your parents' approval when you are back in your family of origin. And another reason I think this feels challenging is because we were brought up for conflict to feel icky. Most of us weren't taught the skills that we need to navigate conflict in a healthy way. And so now we may have to set a boundary or explain, oh, that's not how we do things. And that can feel really tricky, especially in our families of origin and with extended family. Also, parenting is deeply personal. And when someone criticizes our parenting, it can feel very hurtful on a very deep level. And then the last reason, and I think this might feel like an obvious one, but the last reason I think it can feel challenging to parent differently and show up to these family gatherings doing things differently than our families did is because we care deeply about our kids. We want them to get their needs met, and we don't want others to undo the important work that we are doing to parent differently. And I think that can feel like a really high stakes game when you walk into a gathering and you're hoping that your parents or your extended family don't come in and say something to your child that you would never say. You're worried about the damage that that will cause. And oh my goodness, what is my child going to think? So there's a lot of reasons that encountering people who don't parent the way that you do, especially when those people are your own parents or your extended family or family of origin can feel tricky and uncomfortable. And so let's just acknowledge that to start. Let's just remind ourselves, this is hard. Being a cycle breaker is hard. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes, and that's okay. And now that we've acknowledged that, I want you to shift your mindset a little bit. The first thing we need to do outside of acknowledging that this is tricky, and there's a lot of reasons for that, is that we have to recognize that we actually don't need our parents to approve of anything that we do, and especially our parenting style. The fact that we feel like we do need our parents' approval reflects old wounds, that need 
for our parents to tell us implicitly or explicitly that we are good, that we are enough, that we are okay. But you don't need your parents' approval. You don't need anyone's approval to parent the way you want to, to parent in a way that feels good to you. And it's a healing step to recognize that we don't actually need our parents' permission. We have worth, even if they don't agree with or approve of our parenting style. So that is just such an important mindset shift to make. We have to feel convicted about how we're parenting. We have to know why we're doing it and that it's effective. And we have to trust that regardless of whether anyone else believes that. This is why I always stress that my goal is to help you parent in a way that feels good. Because if it feels good and you believe in it, you're going to be so much better able to let go of any insults or questioning or criticism that you get around how you're parenting. Also, recognize that it is very normal for people who didn't parent the way that you are parenting to criticize or have questions or feel uncomfortable when they see someone parenting differently. On both sides of this equation, it makes so much sense. And we just need to recognize that this is a setup for hurt feelings, for our parents to see us hold space for our child's angry feelings and think, oh my goodness, did I do this wrong? That's a hard feeling to sit with. And our parents may not even be conscious of that. And again, the ways in which your parents didn't or couldn't meet your needs reflects them doing the best with the knowledge and the resources they had at the time. And now that we know better, we can do better. But this is a tricky situation on all sides. So we can acknowledge that. And simultaneously, we can recognize that it's important, helpful, and okay to set boundaries with our parents, with our extended family, with our friends to protect our child. So we're going to talk about how to do that. And I also want you to know that if doing that, if setting boundaries creates some conflict, meaning that you express dissent directly to your parents or extended family member, that's okay. It's healthy to disagree sometimes. And you actually can navigate that with grace. I know that might not be what was modeled for you. I know you may not have a lot of practice doing that. And it might be uncomfortable, especially when you're not used to it. But you can do hard things. Okay, and I'm going to give you some scripts and some ways of dealing with this that is not going to feel so intensely and inherently conflictual. So what are the common situations where this disagreement or disconnect between how we parent and how we were parented can come up during a family gathering? One of the most common ones is when a child feels hesitant to give a hug and an extended family member, a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle expects that hug and feels really hurt takes it personally that your child doesn't want to give them a hug. This might also come up when your child wants to stay right next to you instead of going off with grandma, and that can feel hurtful to grandma too when she doesn't understand why that's happening. Or when a child has a meltdown and parents hold space instead of punishing. At mealtimes when parents choose the menu but allow a child to choose what they do or don't put into their bodies, that can feel triggering for a grandparent. When extended family members comment on children's bodies, or what a child is or is not eating, or when a grandparent or extended family member speaks to a child in a way that we wouldn't typically do. You're okay. Come on now. Stop crying or tries to punish. No candy unless you stop arguing. These are really common ways 
that this sort of disconnect between how we are parenting and how we were parented can really show up at family gatherings. So clearly some of these situations would require us to intervene and set a boundary in the moment. But sometimes we can actually work ahead of time to prepare ourselves, our family members, and even our kids to help these interactions go a little more smoothly for everyone involved. And I think that's an important goal because remember, our parents feel uncomfortable when they think about the fact that maybe they didn't do everything that we needed. And it can feel really uncomfortable to witness us parenting in a way that they didn't. And so a little bit of preparation ahead of time, outside of the moment, can be really, really powerful. So here are some examples of what that might sound like. And you could literally put these in a text, in an email. You could say them on the phone, but you could even write them down and literally send them through text or email to your parent or your family member ahead of a gathering. Here's an example of how that might sound when it comes to a child being allowed to refuse a hug. So mom, when Janae and Kelton see you, they might choose to give you a hug or they might choose instead to say hello with a high five or a wave. It's not personal if they don't choose a hug. We just want to make sure they know they always have a choice about whether or not someone touches them. We do this to keep them safe and we know you love them and also want them to stay safe. So thanks in advance for understanding. Or if you have a child who you know is going to want to stay near you at a gathering, you might say ahead of time, Isaiah's been so excited to see you too. Just letting you know that sometimes he takes a while to warm up with people he doesn't see every day. So chances are good he's going to want to hang out with me for a little while, but I know that when he feels ready, he is going to have so much fun playing with you. Now, this next example comes in handy if you anticipate that your child might struggle at a holiday gathering. And I would urge you, as we're going to talk more about next week, to err on the side of your child struggling. Because here's the thing. They are out of their normal, out of their comfort zone, eating tons of sugar, seeing people they don't always see, and that is a recipe for kids to struggle. So just assume that there will be a time that your child might struggle at this gathering and go ahead and prepare. So you might say something like this to the person who's hosting. We can't wait to celebrate with you. Just a heads up, if one of the kids is having a tough time, I'll probably take them for a quick break so I can help them. Is there a good spot we can go that will be private but not disrupt what you've got going on? This way you're preparing yourself with a plan for when your child is struggling, but you're also preparing your family member that if behavior goes downhill, you've got it covered. Now you can also talk to your kids ahead of time, and I highly recommend that you do this. So you could say something like, we're going to see grandpa later today. And when you get there, you can choose to say hello to him with a hug, a high five, or a wave. I've been doing this with my kids since they were toddlers, and it just takes the pressure off of my child and off of me. And actually, I sometimes even say that in the moment. And then it takes the pressure off of the person receiving the greeting too. It takes that personal sting away. Another really helpful thing you can do is to come up with a signal with your child that they can give you when they're struggling so that you will know that they need a break. So I'll say to my kids, we're going to go to a party later and there are going to be a lot of people there. So if you're having big feelings, you're struggling, or you need to talk to me, let's come up with a signal that you can give me. And when I see that signal, I will know that you need a break and I will take you somewhere private where we can talk just us. This helps kids feel safe and it helps them know that they can get through to you anytime they need you. And similarly, we do a similar thing when it comes to interrupting. So if my child needs to interrupt a conversation I'm having with another adult, 
I have them come and put their hand on my wrist and then I will put my hand on top of their hand to let them know I acknowledge you. I see that you need me. Let me get to a stopping point and then I can help you. This little trick has actually even been on Bluey lately, which is one of my favorite shows. I don't know if you've seen it, but go watch it with your child. It's great. But I saw them use this tip during an episode and I thought that was so great. I don't even actually know who came up with it. It wasn't me. I wish I could take credit for it. But actually, this is something that I read about in a blog post years ago when my oldest was a toddler. So I don't even know who to give credit to. But this tip is so helpful. It has been really, really great for us. This empowers our kids to know that they can get through to us when they need us, which can feel really scary if they don't know that and they're not prepared with a way to handle these moments. So when it comes to navigating holiday gatherings, preparing ourselves, preparing our family members, and preparing our kids can actually go a really long way. But sometimes we are still going to encounter situations that we need to deal with in the moment. And so how in the world do we do that? Well, the first suggestion I have for you is to model the way that you would like other people to respond to your child. I have a few stories to share when it comes to modeling, and I think this will illustrate just how powerful modeling can be in these tricky moments. So I remember one time my dad was visiting and my middle kiddo was, I think, maybe two and a half. Now, my dad was parented much in the way that probably many of your parents were parented, where there wasn't a lot of space for emotions and he was actually hit with the belt. So it wasn't an environment that was very conducive to sharing feelings. So my dad had come to visit and my toddler was really upset about a limit that I had set and he started to cry. And I remember my dad said something to the effect of, if you keep acting like this, I'm going to have to leave. My dad felt really uncomfortable being around this expression of emotion. And this response from him was just very reflexive. It's just the response that came out of him. But it's also not the way that I respond to my kids in these moments when they're struggling emotionally. So instead of addressing what my dad said, I just went to my child. I got on his level and I said to him, oh yeah, you really didn't want me to turn off the TV, did you? That was so hard. You really want to keep watching. Gosh, I really get that. It is okay to cry. Come here. I'm here. And I picked him up and I held him while he cried. And the tension just diffused. My son expressed his emotions the way he needed to, and we all just moved on. Another time, we were spending time with an extended family member of mine who also wasn't raised with the ability to safely express her emotions. So on this day, we were all out for a walk together, and one of my kids was running really fast down the trail and then fell and scraped his knee and got hurt and started crying. And this was really uncomfortable for my family member who started to laugh because that's how she dealt with the discomfort of being in the presence of these strong emotions. So again, instead of dealing with that, I went to my child. I picked him up. I said, oh my goodness, you were just running along. You were having so much fun. And then all of a sudden you fell. You weren't expecting that to happen. That must've felt really scary. And I just held space. So in these situations, I didn't need to face this head on to create conflict or to say, hey, that's not okay. I just stepped in and met my child's needs. And that was enough. That modeling was so powerful and my child felt safe. And I actually think that my family members felt safe too, being in the presence of real co-regulation. Another really powerful thing we can do to help diffuse tension at holiday gatherings 
is to try not to discipline our kids in public or in front of extended family. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that by discipline, I don't mean punishments. I am talking about helping our kids. I'm talking about letting them express their feelings. I'm talking about setting healthy boundaries and then empathizing with the feelings that ensue when I talk about discipline. So I'm not talking about punishments here. I'm really talking about boundaries and co-regulation. But ideally, we want to do this somewhere private where our child can fully express their emotions and where we feel safe and comfortable really leaning into co-regulation. And I'm going to talk more next week about holiday meltdowns specifically. But like I mentioned earlier, if you can have a signal with your child and your child can let you know when they're feeling overwhelmed, that's great. Ideally, you already have a place in mind that you could take your child when they're struggling. And sometimes they're not going to have the wherewithal to signal to you. Sometimes your child might be taking their cousin's toys or hitting their brother or just generally unable to regulate their impulses. And you're going to need to proactively take them for a break. Now, it's really important that we do this because first of all, when we are dealing with these challenging behaviors in front of our parents or extended family members or friends, we can tend to get triggered really easily because we feel embarrassed because we feel like, why don't I have this behavior under control? And all those old, unhelpful narratives are going to play for us, that this is bad behavior, that our kid is being bad, that we need to make it stop. But if you take your child somewhere private, you will have more wherewithal to respond the way you want to. And for your child, it is just so much more respectful to take them somewhere where they can fully express their emotions instead of feeling like they have to be on display. So take your child somewhere private when they are struggling. So there are a lot of ways to deal with these differences in how we parent versus how other people might parent that do not require us to deal directly with other people's opinions on our parenting styles in the moment. But sometimes we do have to step in and set a boundary on our child's behalf. So here are some of those situations and a script for handling them. So let's say someone's trying to force a hug on your child. I would, if this were my child, actually step in and stop them. I would pick my child up. I would say, oh, actually, Sarah gets to decide whether or not she wants a hug. It's not personal. It's just really important that Sarah is the boss of her own body, and this is to keep her safe. I know you want her to be safe, too, so thanks for understanding. Like, I would literally step in and I would say that. Would it be easy? No. But would it be necessary to help my child feel safe and enforce this idea that my child is the boss of their own body? Yes. And then if someone tries to discipline my child, if someone says something like, oh, no more candy unless you stop arguing, or someone tries to send my child to timeout or whatever else, I'm going to step in and I'm going to say, thanks, but I've got it from here. That's all you need to say. You are the parent and you need to confidently own that. And you can, you've got this. And then above all else, remember this, you are your child's parent. That means you get the final say on how you parent them. You never have to explain your parenting choices to anybody else. So if someone presses you and says, why do you do it this way? Or you should do it this way because they're going to end up like this if you don't do this. All you have to say is, you know, this is what we've chosen for our child and it's not really up for discussion. And then change the subject. How's work been going for you? Like really and truly, 
set the boundary and move on. If you have the wherewithal to discuss it and you want to do that, you absolutely can. But in my experience, people don't change their minds because you explained something to them once. That doesn't mean that you will never have someone who's asking and genuinely wants to learn. And if you get the sense that it's a real conversation, then go for it. You know, both of my parents actually listen to my podcast and they are really open to learning about different ways of doing things. And I think that's amazing. But you might find yourself in a situation where someone is criticizing your parenting and they are not open to learning. And you never have to get into that with someone if you don't want to. You can literally just say, this is what we've chosen for our child and it's not up for discussion. How are you doing? That's it. Turn the focus back to them and move forward. You do not have to attend every argument you're invited to. I don't know who said that, but it's a really good quote. If someone's criticizing your parenting choices, you can feel rooted in the fact that you are doing what's right for your child and you are a cycle breaker and that's not easy. And you also don't owe anyone an explanation. So I hope this was helpful. Stay tuned for next week's episode on dealing with holiday meltdowns and working with our kids' schedules instead of against them. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.